This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The views conveyed by the guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information shared by the guests on this program are those of the guests and are for informational purposes only. They should not replace the medical advice of your veterinarian. Hi, this is Susan Marie from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, preparing your pets and family for back to school, and an expert shares the importance of the human-animal bond. That's what's on our show this week. Let's get started. Come here, babies. It's time for a treat, the Doggy Diva Show. Here's national award-winning author and animal advocate, Susan Marie. Hi, welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-hosts, the Doggy Divas themselves. Thank you for joining us today as we bring you the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. Contact us at thedoggydiva.com. That's the D-O-G-G-Y-D-I-V-A.com. We love hearing from you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. I am here with Monica Layton, president of Pro Pet Sitting, and she is here with us to give us our pet tip of the week. Monica, it's that time of year again when households and our pets, our lives get sort of turned upside down. It's back to school. Can you give us some like really helpful tips to help us to adjust to acclimating our pets and acclimating ourselves to being away from our pets and making sure everything's okay because the house may be a little empty? Absolutely. So I don't know if you're like me or a lot of the other mom friends I have, Back to school can be stressful. You get a lot to prepare for. But I'm telling you, that day when the school bus drives out or you like get out of that parent drop-off line, you're like, yes! <laughs> you know, it's like they're finally back in school. <laughs> but our pets don't always appreciate that as much. You know, they're used to... You know, the kids being home, they're used to that extra attention. They're used to having all of that extra stuff going on, the people in the house, the friends over the, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a totally different pace. You know, if you have your kids that are in sports, you know, that all starts up. So your nice leisurely days turn into longer days and sometimes even longer nights. So of course, that leaves a lot of time for our pets to get into trouble to have issues to develop kind of anxiety type related problems. So a couple things that you can do to avoid all that. One, 
first things first, for all of you that went out and got a puppy over the summer, this, of course, could be a change in their potty routines. And as we know with younger dogs, even some of our older ones, if you get out of that routine, sometimes it kind of ends up in a little accidents and things going on. So definitely, you know, making small adjustments prior to school starting. So, you know, the couple of weeks before, try to, you know, get it closer to the times that it would be during the rest of the year. So you can make sure, you know, okay, they're adequately doing okay from this time frame to this time frame. This would be when we would be getting there. So any kind of schedule change, I always say, you know, kind of do slowly with them because if they're used to having somebody at home all the time, all day long, you know, the kids are at home from school, whatever, even if you're at work, you've got somebody letting that dog out all the time or you have somebody watching his cues, you know, they're going to notice that the dog's, you know, running around like it has to use the bathroom or running to the door. Well, if somebody's not in the house anymore, you're not going to see those cues and knowing that your pet can handle, you know, that schedule and that time frame is really important. Next is the ones that are used to having all these people around and then your house gets emptier. And of course that can, you know, leave them a little anxious, a little anxiety ridden. The last thing you want to do is end up getting into a situation where you have a pet that ends up with a separation anxiety. You don't want to make a huge big deal about leaving or coming home because pets see those as, oh my gosh, I'm getting all this attention. And then when you leave, they're like, oh, like my world has ended, you know? <laughs> and that's when they get into, you know, some of the excess vocalization or they're the ones that like try to chew their way out of the crates or chew into walls. We've had dogs that have chewed, you know, we literally had a client who was following the child, like they were literally watching the child in the house, walk away and went through the glass windows. <gasps> it was a boxer, went through oh the window, gosh. tore up its face, had to have sutures all through its nose, literally because it did not want to be there alone. Wow. So these dogs can develop these habits and it can happen quick. Like it can catch up with you really quickly. You know, so I always tell people, even when you get them young, especially those, you know, who end up getting new puppies or have a dog that is showing signs of not liking being alone. When you go from a situation where the dog was, you know, kind of used to something and then summer comes along and you've got all this extra time with them, you know, you're going on more walks, you're, you know, doing more things, you know, you're just having somebody around more often. And then that changes you know, you have to kind of slowly lean into some of that stuff when you know it's going to be changing, kind of move your routines around, get them used to different cues. Because the last thing, you know, you want your dog to do is see you pick up the keys or see a kid pick up his backpack and immediately know no one's going to be there. And it starts that destructive kind of behavior. So what they tell you, like when you're trying to get dogs out of that separation anxiety thing is those cues that you start to see when they start, you'll see them, you know, start panting and pacing. Like they're like, oh no, she knows we're leaving. All those things, do them randomly and don't leave. So like we'll tell clients, okay, in the middle of your evening when you're at home, randomly get up, put your shoes on, grab your bag, grab your keys, but don't actually leave the house. Like just walk around with them for a couple minutes, put them back down and then do it again at other random times. Because you're desensitizing the pet 
to not have that reaction every time it's done. So if they start having those issues and they fixate on those cues, then to see that cue not end with the same result every time can actually calm them a bit. So when they see their cues, they're not really certain what's going on, but it may not be a big deal. So they don't start out on edge before you even get out the door. Like a trigger, like that's the trigger warning for them. Exactly. So you're taking away the trigger response. And then when you leave, give them some kind of special treat or some kind of special activity. You know, we have people that, you know, will fill Kongs, put some like fruit or veggies in there and kind of add water and make it into like an ice cube, some special treat. You know, they have like, for my dogs, I've gotten them the little doggy puzzle toys. They only get those when we're out and it keeps them occupied. So we put it down, we leave, you know, they're not freaked out by the cues initially, but then for me, I have one of those Furbo cameras and it sends me alerts every time the dogs are barking. And that's what would happen. You know, after 20, 30 minutes, they're like, what the heck? She left, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but they don't really have that reaction because they're not sitting there waiting, going, okay, is she coming back? Is she not? And then when you don't, they're like, all right, but she left this. You know what I mean? It takes their mind off of it. Something that'll take them some time and it'll refocus them. So whether they're trying to like chew out all the treats that are melting or, you know, people put peanut butter inside their yogurt and fill it up with stuff. um, Or you give them a special treat that they like that takes a little time for them to chew down. Or like I said, one of the puzzle things. But that all takes their time. So they calm them down. They're mentally stimulated. So mental stimulation for pets can be just as great as exercise. You know what I mean? It calms them. It makes them tired. So they're going to be in a different mindset to kind of counteract some of those issues that you're going to have as far as the separation anxiety type things. One thing that you talked about, and this is a while ago, and actually some people who listen to the show use this with their pets. And as I'm thinking about this, about desensitizing, having them looking forward to something and it takes their mind. Remember you talked about a snuffle mat? And you put the treats all inside the mat and it keeps them like searching for it and busy. And Mm -hmm. I've had people tell me that that has helped them so much leaving, having the dog being pre actually the dog kind of looks forward when they see it coming out going, okay, you can go now. Bye. So that was a great idea. And like for my guys, we do the little puzzle toys, but instead of dog treats, because, you know, we have a pug and pugs best friends are food doesn't matter what kind um and you know they got the little stubby legs and you don't want to have all the arthritic problems and they're just prone to um be hefty ladies so (laughs) i always watch our little olive to make sure that she's not um becoming a hefty hefty lady (laughs) and um what i do is just our dogs eat in the evening but i just take out a portion of their regular kibble And they get a smaller portion amount in, you know, their puzzle toy or in the snuffle mat. And then I'll throw in like maybe one or two little, like I'll put in like a couple blueberries or, you know, just something that I know is good for them. That's lower fat, lower calories. And they're not going to, you know what I mean? Because that is a concern when you talk about doing stuff on a regular basis. And, you know, people don't realize how 
much weight your pet can take on by, you know, mm-hmm. giving a handful of treats every day. All of a sudden, you know, you're like, great, that's working. But now my dog is really getting big. <laughs> <laughs> very happy and very big. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, lastly, too, you know, the thing that I always remind everybody about also is um, you're going to have a lot of kids running around, getting to, you know, the bus stops, going, you know, walking to their bus stop. And if your house is close to a bus stop or close to, you know, a route, just be really cautious. I am a huge proponent that even if kids don't have pets, they should learn how to approach a pet and learn what to do and what not to do just for their own safety. Um, They go to a friend's house or they approach, you know, a stray dog, something, you know, if they're not familiar, they need to know how to act and how to remain safe themselves. But, you know, there are kids out there that don't understand or they just choose to (laughs) do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And you don't want, you know, your pets being outside, like in your fenced in yard and being in a situation where, you know, kids are sticking their fingers in the fence or Lord forbid, you know, tossing things, you know, oh, you want some cookies? Like here, I got Oreos in my lunchbox. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised things that can happen and things that we see. So just being really cautious. If your pet is not one that, you know, really cares for kids or, you know, doesn't like a lot of strangers around the house, you know, maybe adjust the schedule to your, you know, to where your pet's not out during that school bus drop off and pick up time. And, you know, most of those are listed right online to where anybody can go in and, you know, kind of enter the address for their closest school and see, you know, what their bus would be if, you know, they were registered for the bus. Or you can simply call your county's, you know, school board and ask. They'll be able to tell you. But um, if you have a pet, you know, again, that, you know, doesn't like people in the yard or, you know, you don't know how they're going to do with kids or whatever. If you have a fence that, you know, has little holes or they can stick their nose through anything like that, it's always better to just plan, know when it's going to start occurring. And that way you can kind of keep a watchful eye um, or try to, you know, switch the schedule up to where during that 15, 20 minutes, the kids are gathering till the bus picks up, you know, the outside area is kind of avoided. No, that's a great idea because not only does it keep the kids safe, it also helps to keep the pets safe, the doggy safe, because they don't know if someone's thrown an Oreo or who knows what over, they'll like, oh, yeah, and then they'll get sick or, you know, who knows. It's it's always best to err on the side of caution, and that's a good idea to contact the school or, you know, look it up online just to see what, what the bus line is and when the pickup and drop-off times are. That's a great idea. All those little things, switching the routines, you know, watching about the anxiety and, you know, just the safety issues, you know, you combine those three, just a little extra time prepping for back to school, you know, kind of think about it as backpack filled check, (laughs) (laughs) dog, you know, bus schedule check, you know, it's just making sure that, you know, they're kind of included in that little checklist that you got going on there to prepare everything. So that way... It's not the first day of school and you come home to, you know, a mess in your house or the dog's been barking at the kids outside or, you know, it's just not the way to start out the day. So a little precaution can take so much ease and getting through all of it was no problems. (laughs) 
Well, this is very good information, very timely information uh, for those of you that are down by us in Florida and in the South back to school is mid early August. And for those of you that are going back after Labor Day, get everything all ready now because you want to have your pet already desensitize your yards that you know when the, the bus is coming, when the bus is going Get everything all lined up now and then back to school, hopefully, will be a breeze for you and your pets. So, Monica, thank you very much. This was great information as always. Thank you. We'll be back in just a moment. Hello, everyone. Susan Marie here to tell you about the award-winning three-book series, The Doggy Diva Diaries. It is a trilogy of heartwarming and inspirational stories about Miss Olive, a lonely little rescue pup, hoping to find her forever family and friends and a life filled with love. In this series, Miss Olive learns that it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, it's the kindness and love you have on the inside that counts. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online booksellers, and please visit us at thedoggydiva.com for more information. Thank you, everyone. Coming up, have you ever wondered what it takes to help build a strong human-animal bond? We've got some answers. Stay with us. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. Sarah Hopkins is the founder of Compassion for Paws, an in-home, end-of-life care for pet service in the Pacific Northwest. Sarah is a renowned veterinary professional with over two decades of experience in the field. She started Compassion for Paws to help pets and pet parents through the end-of-life journey and is one of the first veterinarians in the world to achieve certification in animal hospice and palliative care through IAAHPC. And we are so happy to welcome Dr. Hopkins with us today. Hey, Dr. Hopkins, welcome to the Dougie Diva Show. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. What you do is so important. And, you know, as the founder of Compassion for Paws, can you share with us the inspiration for it? And also, could you tell the listeners a little about Compassion for Paws? Absolutely, absolutely. So I was in general practice for a lot of years and enjoyed it very, very much, but always felt very drawn to end-of-life care and having those really difficult conversations with owners and helping them through euthanasia and, uh, you know, just, just all of the support that they needed. And 
I thought, what about having this done in the home setting? So many pets hate coming to the vet hospital. They hate the cold table. They hate the the barking dogs in the background. Could we do this in the home and give them a beautiful, peaceful, gentle passing? So I quit my job and I started Compassion for Paws. And as you said, we're a mobile practice. Started out doing also some acupuncture and laser therapy, but now focus on hospice care and palliative care and the euthanasia. Um, so our services are are within in the home and we basically have uh, environment where the pet is completely comfortable. They're relaxed. They're in a familiar place with the people that they love and they just gently fall asleep. We have opened up our aftercare center in the last few months where we now are offering water cremation, um, also known as aquamation. So what's so exciting about that for me is that we are now handling the entire end-of-life process for these sweet pets. So we could have the hospice appointment, help them with palliative care, support the owners, guide the owners, do the peaceful euthanasia when that time comes. And then the pet does not leave our care for the entire cremation process. Um, so just very excited to be able to offer that that entire continuum of, of care. Wow, that's so having just gone through something very similar with my 18-year-old, we went through the palliative care and the Aww. hospice and then a very peaceful passing with our bed this so what you're doing i know how important it is it's so important not only to the pet but to the pet parent and the bond between pet parents and their pets it's such a special relationship can you share some of the key factors that can impact a human animal bond oh my goodness absolutely and and it's so amazing looking at the human animal bond now even compared to just you know 10 years ago 20 years ago and and how significant and deep these bonds are and i think you know we're just coming out of of the covid pandemic where everybody was locked down for a period of time and that really deepened the bond with a lot of people and their pets you know i think there's a lot of different factors that can impact the human animal bond and affects it at, at different points of the animal's life. Um, you know, I think, I think from a very basic level, you know, for example, people wanting to bring a dog into their family, maybe not understanding the, the dog breed, not knowing what would be a good breed for their lifestyle or for their family, that could definitely impact the bond between the people and the pet. Um, for an aging animal, who needs more medical care or care in the home, that can also impact the bond between people and the pet. Um, I'll give you an example. I used to have a have an old kitty cat who had kidney disease. And one of the one of the management tools for kidney disease in cats is giving subcutaneous fluids or fluids underneath the skin. And being a vet, I've done done that thousands of times and I could not do that to my cat and she would see me coming with a bag of fluids and she would run away and 
I was, in essence, breaking down that bond in those precious last mo- last months with her. And I decided at that time, I'm not going to give her the fluids because that would break down the bond between us. So even as a palliative care veterinarian, we counsel people on that. You know, I have some clients right now whose dogs cannot take medication and the owners say, well, I can't shove pills down the throat because then she's going to hate me. So we need to come up with other ways to to administer the medication so we don't break down that bond during that very important time. That's so important. And what are the five key factors that can impact the human-animal bond? Well, I think I think there's a lot of factors that can impact the the bond. Um, you know, like I said, just not not fully understanding, um, you know, the breed or the type of pet that you're that you are bringing home, not understanding the pet's body language, not being able to read their needs. Um, we need to be able to meet their needs. You know, what are their exercise requirements? What are their needs for affection? Uh, some pets are very affectionate and, you know, very schmoopy and want all the attention. And then other pets just, you know, are more stable. And office, and we need to we need to really recognize what what each individual pet wants. Um, you know, we need to be able to understand their their health conditions and be able to address those health conditions. You know, and I think I think a huge one affecting the bond is is underestimating our time and our ability to make a, a commitment to these pets. Um, you know, you hear about this all the time where people think, oh, I have so much time and I can do the training and I can do this, that, and the other. And, you know, the reality is pets can take a lot of time and a lot of energy and you really need that to be able to foster the bond properly. That's so important. And when we bring a new pet into our homes, is it your feeling that animals, like they crave a strong bond with their humans as much as like we as pet parents want to have a strong bond with them? Yeah, I I think a lot do. And I think there's a lot of things that, that impact that. Um, you know, I kind of keep going back to, I kind of keep going back to breeds. Um, I used to have a, a cattle dog who was a rescue dog and she was my girl and she was very bonded with me and I was very bonded with her, but she didn't give two toots about anybody else in our family. Um, You know, now we have a golden retriever who is everybody's friend. Um, You know, so I I think the the breed can uh, determine some of that craving for bonding with the people. I think the history, you know, are, were they, brought in as a puppy or a kitten or were they a rescue and maybe have some unknown history Um, and then of course the family setting is it a chaotic setting is it a quiet setting Um, you know what what is an animal drawn to but i do think i do think a lot of animals inherently want to want to bond with the the people now what happens in the case that a pet parent, for whatever reason, cannot build a strong bond with their pet. You know, I, and I know that there are some pet parents out there who want it so bad, but for, 
for whatever reason they can't connect. Right. And that, oof, that's a, that's a really hard question. Um, and I, I guess one thing is why, why are they not bonding? Um, is it just not having that right chemistry? Is it something with, um, you know, is, is there aggression issues maybe with the pet? Is there situational issues with the pet or with the pet parent? You know, is it a time? Is it a time issue? Is it a, you know, the pet needs more energy exertion than than they're getting or, or bring in a pet sitter to help with something? If it's not having that connection, maybe taking on agility classes or finding some activity that the the pet really, really enjoys and seeing if that could help to foster a bond. That's great. It's almost like finding a common ground. Exactly. Exactly. Can you tell the listeners where they can go to learn more about you? You have such a terrific background and more about Compassion for Paws. Oh, absolutely, Sue. Our website is CompassionForPaws.com, and that's the number four, and then Paws, P-A-W-S.com. All of our information is is right there. Thank you. And and um, Sarah, before we go, is there anything that we may not have covered that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, I mean, I mean, I could, I could honestly talk for hours. <laughs> it's such about, an important topic. Well, it, I, I think all of it is, and and just you know, really, really respecting and understanding the the human animal bond, and and I think that's kind of the cornerstone of our practice is is just respecting that bond and when we respect that bond and we respect the pet and we respect the caregivers um you know we really can make the whole end of life process and time um a little less awful for people that's so important and as i mentioned i lost recently lost one of my uh, fur kids, precious fur kids, who yeah. was about 18. And then we lost another one a year ago. And the oh. what you're saying is so important because the surroundings that happened as an emergency was so totally different than what we just went through with Francesca, which was we went through the palliative, the hospice, and then had a very peaceful, very loving ending of life and that's that's i think that's what us as pet parents you know i was traumatized from the last one i'd never done it before in my life that way this way and i've been doing rescue for 25 years the way we did it with francesca was how we normally do it and it gave me such peace in my heart so not only what you're doing is so kind and compassionate for the pet you're also what you're doing is also kind and compassionate for the pet parents so on behalf of pet parents everywhere i thank you very much Oh, thank you so much. And it, it really, I can't tell you how many times I'm asked, I don't know how you can do what you do. And it really is such an honor and a privilege to be a part of that process and be a part of that moment. It is such an important, it is such an important thing. Well, Dr. Hopkins, I want to thank you for being our guest today and sharing this valuable and very compassionate and heartfelt information and also sharing the importance of the importance of the strength of the bond between pet parents and their beloved fur kids. I thank you very much and I thank you for all of the work that you do with Compassion for Paws. And again, for those that want to learn more, go to Compassion, the number four, 
pause.com. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Sue. We'll be back in just a moment. Talk to the paw. Hey, y'all, it's Kelly Pickler. Hi, this is Margaret Cho. Hey, everybody, I'm Rachel Ray. There's only one station that gives you the scoop on wagging tongues and tails. And who's walking who in Rent and Tinseltown. Pet Life Radio, the tail wagger. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> We would like to thank our guests this week. And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great diva week, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Doggy Diva Show. To find out more about Susan Marie and the Doggy Divas, visit them at their website, thedoggydiva.com, and on Facebook at The Doggy Diva Show. Tell your fellow pet parents about it. We look forward to having you join us again for the next episode. See you soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.